This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slave's Parenting Podcast for Thursday, November 10th, the Finding and Keeping Parenting Friends Edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Parent Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine and a half, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast called The Best Advice Show, and I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, is five, and my youngest, Ami, is two. Today on the show, we're continuing our special friendship week. Elizabeth joined forces with the Mom Hour podcast hosts, Megan and Sarah, to answer all your questions about making and keeping friends. Then on Slate Plus, we're going to see exactly what type of friends we are. Here's a sneak peek if you have Slate Plus. It's a really profound question for me. <laughs> um, in 10 years, Naima will be in college. Yeah. So in theory, I could be traveling the world. Yeah. Many millions of hours online. But I do want another child. So I'm going to say I, hoping that I'm Are we breaking news here? If you want more of us every single week and you don't want to hear those pesky ads that keep the lights on around here, Slate Plus is for you. You can sign up by going to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash mom and dad plus. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to share some triumphs and fails. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. We thought that in honor of Friendship Week, we could share some friendship-related triumphs and fails. Zach, what do you have for us? Well, I mentioned this group of friends that I have in my interview with Marissa Franco, but I'm going to talk about them a little bit more as my triumph. So basically, there's like this group of eight. We were boys when we met. We were like five when we met. And we are still like best friends. And we are in constant contact. I didn't realize how unique it was until I got into my late teens and 20s and now 30s. And now I'm, I'm nearly 40. And for a guy to, to have this many guy friends from kindergarten, it's pretty special. And some of us are here in Detroit, others are in spread around the country, but 
we're in touch all the time. It's like kind of one of my foundational relationships. Um, we've actually had like a rough, a rough couple weeks uh, in this group. One of my friends uh, just lost their dog. Another one, uh, newborn baby has been in the hospital for three weeks. Another one just lost his uncle. And we're just like all on top of that news, helping each other grieve, helping each other mourn, helping each other set up meal trains. It's something that I have learned to be super grateful about. We take this annual trip where we hang out and um, like don't get super drunk, but just talk and maybe take some edibles. And it's like my favorite weekend of the year. And I'm just uh, so, so glad to, to be in friendship with, with the minglers. That's what we call ourselves, the minglers. So a triumph. Are you guys all just very intentional about staying in contact, like making sure that you're touching base? Yeah. I mean, it was so much easier growing up because we went to school K-12 well, yeah. together. Um, but now it's like, you know, we have a monthly Zoom call. We have this Discord group, which is active daily. We have the annual trip. And so kind of between those three layers, right? Um, yeah. There's, there's, there's always kind of a check-in or a, or a hangout around the corner. Um, before COVID, we had a monthly dinner going for the locals. We actually haven't reinstituted that, but I think, I think it's safe to now. So yeah, it's, it is intentionality because, you know, most of us are married with kids now. And so it's, it's hard, but it's like, we do the, the zoom check-in at like 9 PM, you know, after yeah. the kids go to sleep once a month. So, so yeah, we're, we're intentional about it. And we all, you know, we've all kind of made our own friends outside of the group, but this is kind of like the first wall of friendship, the inner circle of friendship. I officiated awesome. some of their weddings. It's it's really special. <sighs> That's really cool. That is super cool, Zach. I'm so jealous. And I wish that I had been set up for lifelong friendship mm. like that from such a young age. It's super cool. Elizabeth, what about you? Okay, so I am taking a friendship fail. But this is to share with you that making friends is super hard. <laughs> um, when we moved to the Netherlands, that was probably the hardest time I have ever had making mm. friends. I mean, I think one, the pool was so small um, of just like people that were willing to be friends with someone that was, didn't speak Dutch and was only going to be there a couple of years. And that's just the Dutch are, are for all of their wonderful things are not a particularly like warm culture. Um, hmm. I, once you get into a circle, they are incredibly warm and welcoming, but they are very like, this is our group. We've had our group forever. They're a small country. Right. Um, so finding friends was really hard. Finding friends that spoke English, um i knew just from moving that like one of the things i had to do was just like go to things because if you are not at things you cannot meet people and so a like f i heard from a friend that like a friend of a friend did this yoga class in my neighborhood and so she was like do you want to go she can get you in i was like okay great so i agreed to go to this yoga class and one i didn't really know the like friend of a friend like she was nice enough she spoke some english she was like yeah come with me the yoga class was like in this woman's attic which is very common there um and i didn't really know any of the customs like it was just so awkward and then this person like basically offered me nothing else other than like here's the address i will also be at this <laughs> this class um so i show up and i sort of assumed and this is very like american exceptionalism that because i was there maybe i would be given some instruction in English I was not the class was in Dutch and then the teacher kept insisting the only thing she would say to me in English um 
By the way, all of these people speak English because everyone in the Netherlands speaks like 12 languages. No joke. She just kept saying, you have to close your eyes in this class. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really speak Dutch. <laughs> and if I close my <laughs> eyes, I will have not a clue what anyone is doing. But here's the fail. You guys, I went back to the class because I would. I went back for like, like eight or nine weeks because I was just like, this is a touch point um, for me. And it turned out to be like a really funny story that I would just share at expat things. And it also is what kind of pushed me over the edge to just like when I heard this woman speaking English at a park um, to be like, hi, <laughs> I'm Elizabeth. You seem to be speaking English natively. <laughs> Are you two here? You know? Um, and it turns out, yes, yeah, she was an expat from Canada and became one of my um, best friends. We actually had a connection through another another place as well. But um, if your friendship is going bad, at least you're not in a Dutch yoga class trying to make friends <laughs> where the instructor keeps telling you to shut your eyes. <laughs> D- did you keep them shut? Well, no, what I did was I would, like, peek out. You know, I ended up taking my hair down, and I, you know, it could, like, fall in front of my face <laughs> yeah. and, like, trying to peek or, like, peek through my eyelashes. Because, honestly, mm-hmm. there was a chance I ended up, like, in tree when everyone else was, like, shavasana. Because I, I didn't even know. I knew a couple, like, hand, you know, whatever Duolingo teaches you, which is not the names of the poses in Dutch, you know? <laughs> like, no matter what you do, downward dog does not sound the same. Um, you know, so I... I, I luckily there was some flow, so I kind of knew. Like the good thing is the practice kind of goes in the same, the same way. Um, but yes, I was like afraid too. I would like fall asleep or something, and then <laughs> I would just be stuck there. It was terrifying. Jamila, what about you? I racked my brain on this one, and I'm just going to give myself a triumph and say I'm very excited that I booked tickets for us to go to New York for Thanksgiving this year. Um, We are going to see our friends, which is important. She hasn't been back to New York. And so she misses my friends. I miss her friends. We miss, you know, the city. And we're going to see our people for the holiday. Those like touch point visits are so important when you're living across the country, you know? Definitely. That sounds great. I think that's awesome. Well, we're going to take another quick break, and when we're back, we're going to jump into Elizabeth's interview. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. So the Mom Hour podcast is kind of a big effing deal in the parenting sphere. 
Elizabeth, can you tell us why you wanted to have Megan and Sarah on to talk friendships? Okay, so Megan and Sarah actually became friends through kind of like their work and blogging. And they have had just like so many life changes and have remained friends. And a lot of what they talk about on the Mom Hour is kind of this friendship thing. So I wanted to bring them on to answer a bunch of your questions. We reached out to the listeners on Facebook to ask what kind of problems they were having making friends or keeping friends. The nice part is that with Megan and Sarah and I, we all have kids kind of in different ages, but we are largely out of that kind of easy, like you can make friends at the breastfeeding group or make friends at some kind of like small kid parenting thing, which makes it a little bit easier. And in fact, um, one of them kind of has all older kids. So they're even out of the like meeting other friends you know, through parents of kids. Uh, so it's really nice. We we just took on a bunch of um, questions from our listeners and just kind of talked about our fails in making parenting friends and what we learned from that. And also some advice on things that, that have worked for us. And don't worry, in the end, I end up friends with both of them and I'm still <laughs> like emailing and keeping up with them. So um, you can come on our journey to talk all about making and keeping friends as you enter this kind of parenting sphere. Hi, I'm Megan Francis. I am a co-host of The Mom Hour. I live in Michigan and I have five kids who are ages 13 to 24. So big brood and really excited to be here. Yeah. So I'm Sarah Powers. I am Megan's other half on The Mom Hour podcast and my kids are 9, 12, and 14. We live in Santa Barbara, California, which is the town I grew up in, and we moved back uh, in the early days of COVID. So I'm living again in my own hometown. How long have you guys known each other? We have known each other on ye old internet for <laughs> 11 years, I think. Um, I did that math this fall, and we have been working together for 10 of those, and we've been podcasting together for, it'll be eight in March, like seven and yeah. a half. So we met as writer, blogger, internet content creator people and really had like a almost a business acquaintanceship first. And then friendship came with doing projects together and starting the podcast together in 2015. That's amazing because I don't know if it is like COVID or just the season of life, but it seems like we are getting like way more questions on the podcast about how you make friends, like parents posting, hey, I don't I don't understand why I can't find people. And so I've kind of boiled them down into some of the bigger, bigger topics, although we'll dive into some specifics. So it seems like a lot of the questions kind of come from parents who have had a change in their life. They've had to move or they had, you know, their third kid, their fourth kid. So all of a sudden, kind of the friends that they had, that core group is, for whatever reason, gone. And now they have to kind of break into an already established group. Do you guys have any tips for that? I mean, I have a lot of empathy. I was going to say commiseration. Um, <laughs> How about that? Can we start yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah. We're all really out of practice. I'm an extrovert and I used to be a total social butterfly, but now multiple invitations or activities on my calendar in one week really stresses me out. I'm just not like, I'm kind of out of practice. So I'm just putting myself now in the position of being a mom with little kids coming out of this two to three year weirdness and saying, where are my people at? Even yeah. if I had them before now, where did they go? And have they all like splintered off into different groups or is everyone just like hiding under a blanket at home? So I think that the the thing you have to do that's the hardest thing is put yourself out there and be willing to be the awkward one. 
and maybe just be kind of more honest than seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> like no, yes. this is so awkward. I, I know it's awkward for me and for you, but it, this is how it has to be. Cause we all feel weird. I definitely read into some of these questions that people think it's supposed to be easy. Cause it was so easy when yeah. we were kids. I mean, maybe it wasn't easy when yeah. we were kids, but we like thought it was easy. Right. Um, we don't cause everyone's yeah. looking for friends, but I, yeah. I feel like we need to acknowledge that like, we're all, we're all looking for friends again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, almost adjusting our own expectations of, what friendships even look like at this stage of life. Um, I have found myself really craving what I think, Megan, you've called friendlies before. People around my town and community who know my name, know my kids' names, but like maybe that's maybe that's all we ever get to. Um, I just went to a back to school night for my seventh grader, and people were like, "Hey Sarah, hey Sarah," and I was like, "Hey this teacher, hey this teacher," and I just had this little like moment of hope of like, okay, it took two and a quarter years, but some people know my name and I know some people's names. And I guess where I'm going with that is if our expectation is the ride or die, like bosom Mm -hmm. buddies that we might have found in the nursing moms group when our kids were babies, where we just felt so like intimately connected, that may be a a high bar to meet right now. So I think for me, a lot of it is really getting clear with identifying like what friendship hole in my like collage is kind of weak or missing. And maybe that's not something super deep. Maybe yeah. right now I'm just looking for local friendlies as I think I'm going to say that. For I, you, I love that term friendlies. Cause I definitely, so we're a military, we move a lot and I don't really feel like we're settled until I have that until I can run into people at the yes. park or at schools and be like, I know you from here. I know you from here. Like those kind of moments. But I, I do think that some of it is this idea that like we are looking for something so much deeper and that that comes over time. Yeah. How do you guys make those friendlies though? Because I I think it's work. And I think, I mean, Megan, you kind of hinted at this, that like you have to be awkward. Yeah. (laughs) You have to be ready to be rejected. But do you guys have any like, like tried and true I have have one really quick one. And just something I've had to do. I have had to reintroduce myself, who I am and who my kids are and what my name is (laughs) way more than I thought I would. And it's a little vulnerable because you think they don't remember me. Like I've met there, but I am also sometimes the person who doesn't remember them. It really does go both ways. And some people are better with faces and names and um, with masks and like the way that we met over the last two years, it's just having a huge amount of compassion for other people and yourself. And I've just started being... (laughs) radical about it. I'm Sarah. My kid is Reed. He's in seventh grade. I think we met at that one thing like last year, or I think we also saw each other at that this thing, or maybe not, but that's my name. And that's my kid's name. Tell me your name again. Remind me your name. Like, I'm just sort of like, I don't know, radical about it now. And it's a good first step because everyone, no, I don't think anyone will fault you for reintroducing yourself or yeah. Even if, no. even if they remembered right. you, right? I think it's such a nice courtesy yeah. to just not... I always think of it as like, I don't assume that right. anyone remembers Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking, Sarah, too, when you were talking um, about really craving the friendlies that I hear just from just as many moms on the other side who would say things like, I just... I want that sister friend. Um, And it's kind of like they're remembering college. Like when you stayed up all night in your dorms with that person, we don't have those opportunities anymore. And when we do as moms, they're usually circumstantial. It's usually like you mentioned, it's because everyone's sitting around with the baby, the same age or going through the same thing, like going through this intense time. And I think that one of the hard things is we try to make one friendship do too much. 
Um, you might have a person who could be that sister friend to you, but their kids are like 10 years older than yours, or they don't have kids at all, or they live in a different state. Um, those people might be totally different than those casual uh, encounters that you can have and just show up for a girl's night out. And just those people are what they are. Yeah. You'll be friendly with them. You'll say hi, you'll have a great time. You'll go home and that's it. You're, you're not necessarily going to bond with anyone in that group deeply. And that's okay. Cause different groups and, and connections can meet different needs. I love this idea of like a looking for a bigger group so that you're not putting any pressure on any one right. person. Cause that can be a lot too. Like yeah. if you come into a friendship being like, you are going to be it. It's like mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the other person's like, ah, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Megan, you talked about being vulnerable and I want to go back to that because to me, the thing I do to grow friendships is ask for help. Mm. And I think that's really hard for people. Like, I look for opportunities to ask people to help me on things that I maybe only need, like that I could probably work out myself. Hey, can you pick, can you grab my kid after school yeah. today when we're all walking home, right? Hey, can you, do you mind picking up my books at the library? Because to me, it forces them to deal with me. <laughs> Which is, but I think people are scared of that. I think people yeah. are scared of of asking for help because we've been told like, well, you're supposed to have your act together, and no one will want to be your friend if you don't if you don't have it together. Is that kind of how you see that vulnerability piece too? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like nobody really wants to be good friends with the person who's got everything together and never has any any needs, <laughs> right? Like that's so intimidating. And on the mom hour, we've answered questions about making mom friends a lot by saying, or even asking for help. Asking for help gives the other person an opportunity to not only help you, which feels good, but also to ask for help. So it's like actually opening yeah. a door and actually it's a total gift. I think it's a gift to ask somebody for help because look at the, the door you've just opened for them to be helpful and then for them to know that they can do the same with you. So yeah, part of that vulnerability is asking for help. And sometimes that might just be being really honest about the fact that this is really hard for you right now. And you're trying to figure out how to make like how to make this work. Friendships are hard. And I think you could even be that honest. So it could be asking for practical help, but it could also be like, help me, help me be friends with you. But not, like, not in a weird way, you know what I right. mean? But I think that that vulnerability is, um, it's really appealing. I love it when people are like that with me. It makes me really want to connect with them. I think it's such a good reminder and it's so much harder in practice than just talking about it here on a podcast. But being new mm -hmm. in town, I have had to check the knee-jerk assumption that everybody's got their social circles figured out. So I know I want in and I know I have to do the work and be vulnerable, but I've made big assumptions about like, well, they don't, they don't want to go to this thing with me. Like they already have their people. And just a reminder that you can live somewhere for 20 years and have had kids in the same school system for a decade and still be lonely. Loneliness and like friend ups and downs have been for all kinds of different reasons you mentioned, like yeah. having a new baby or like um, going in and out of the workforce. So I, I think that's another maybe takeaway is just gut check that assumption that I need them, but they don't need me. They might need a new friend as much as you do. I think it's okay in those 
those cases too to like make it kind of humorous. When I moved here, there was like a neighbor casually mentioned that there was a group of women that met for wine. And I was like, is there a way to apply? Yeah. I would like to apply yes. for a spot in this yeah. group. And I literally think I asked enough times that they were like, okay, okay come well, on Thursday yeah. when I came. You know, they totally joked like, well, this is your trial yeah. night. Here's and your I initiation. Like, okay, okay, I brought this great bottle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, but I think that helped make it like, I know you guys are already a group and I'm really looking and I mean I think I point blank was like I am looking for a group that does this that like our children are at home I can walk we all live two blocks from each other and now when I see you at the park I know your names but mostly our function is that like we leave the husbands with the kids and you know we get together to like chat about what's going on and have have a glass of wine um but it is really awkward to be like (laughs) please accept me (laughs) you know oh gosh this may go back to this, like, looking for one friend to fit all of those things. But let's say you meet another mom and you're chatting at gymnastics or something, sitting, great. You guys get together and either, like, you parent totally different mm. or your kids do not get along. In all of these questions, they sort of said, that ends the friendship. I would say first, if it truly is a friendship you want to grow and nurture because you really actively enjoy the person, don't just think you should be friends with them because, you know, your kids are the same age or whatever. Um, Maybe looking for kind of a neutral activity that there is like a thing to do to invite them to like, hey, this author is doing a book signing and I don't have anybody to go with that comes back to that vulnerability piece. Like, I'd really like to go. Would you be up for that? Um, I don't think we need to feel bad about not wanting to spend time with two couples where the spouses or partners don't match up. Like, that's not a guilt. There's no moral judgment inherent in that. It's just, like, that's not going to be the way this friendship progresses. Yeah, and I think your spouse would be like, thank you very much. I didn't want that anyway. Uh, (laughs) But I... (laughs) Stop inviting me to your Why are you making me be friends (laughs) with these people? But I think that another thing I've experienced now having um, kids who are all teens and young adults is that differences in parenting styles matter a lot more at certain stages of your life than they do at other stages of your life. And that in fact, some of the people I have the most in common with now as a mom of teens and young adults, I had the least in common with when they were really little, uh, Sarah, I think you and I would have parented very differently when we, if we had like known each other in real life, maybe it's good that we didn't. And if we got together with our kids now, they, we have, and they get along great and we get along great because all of the stakes have changed. All the things that we felt like were so crucial and important in those days, it turned out we're just one more way of doing things and we both have great kids. And so that's like one side of it. I think the other side is sometimes it's more of, um, it's not just that you disagree about things like, I don't know, timeouts or whatever. It's that maybe the way they're parenting is actively impacting the way you're parenting, or you don't feel comfortable parenting your way in front of them or with their, them and their kids. And that's when I think Sarah's totally right. Like, let's just keep this separate. Did you guys ever do meetups either? I mean, I guess even now where the kids are not like the main focus. Cause Because I have, like, friends where I am meeting up at the park because they are, like, we are meeting up so the children can play, and I could take or leave the mom. Like, it's fine. Right. Um, And we can sit and chat. 
But I also do sometimes make my kids go like, hey, we're going to go play and you do not have to play with these other children, but we are all going to be at the park. You know, I try to not have those at the house, right? Because that's awkward. um, We're going to go somewhere. And if if you, (laughs) it's awkward, like, hey, they don't want to play. But yeah, uh, but like, I don't care if they bring a book, but I try to tell my kids that too. Like we are going and you are welcome to play with them or not play with them. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to like go on this walk or sit with this mom. But I think moms feel guilty about doing that kind of stuff. I mean, I actually think, and I'm glad we circled back to this because it was it popped into my head earlier, but it's so good for our kids to see us actively pursuing um, joy and leisure and friendship in our lives. And I don't think you have to lecture your kids about it, but I do think that um, putting some language around like, we just moved here and I don't know a lot of people, so it's a little bit scary, but I'm going to ask, you know, Joey's mom to go for coffee with me, or I met a new friend today and I feel really excited about it. Or like, gosh, I hope I see so-and-so again, like verbalizing that it's so good for our kids to see that that awkward, brave space is okay. We want our, I mean, our kids, there's little kids who sometimes will do it naturally, walk up to somebody on the playground and say, Hey, you want to be my friend? But there are other kids who do also really struggle with the same things we're talking about. So to model that, I think is great. And then to your point, um, saying sometimes like, we're going to prioritize mom's friendship today. We're meeting up with my friend. They've got a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. You you may or may not connect with them, but this is like, I'm looking forward to this for myself. And that also in its own way is modeling, prioritizing those relationships. And I, I think that's all, that's all good. No, it's so good. One of the kind of nuanced thing that was asked is that we have a new stay-at-home mom and she isn't quite sure how to ask if other moms are stay-at-home moms because she feels like it puts them in a position of, like, trying to justify what they do, and she doesn't want to do that. And I, I suspect also, this is me reading into the question, that she is feeling a little of that. Like, she's a new stay-at-home mom. Like, it, is this valuable? Is this not valuable? Mm. Does society view me as valuable? Right? So she doesn't want to ask. I think what she really wants is, like, hey, are you available to hang right. out during the day? What are your hours? Right. Well, Elizabeth, the thing I was actually going to say is, like, these days, what like what is a stay-at-home mom anymore anyway? Like, everything has become so <laughs> fluid people are at home for a little while then they're back in the workforce or maybe they really are opting out you know for an extended period of time and that definitely happens but there's moms who work from home there's moms that have corporate jobs who sometimes are still available during the day there's moms who work second or third shift so like like your available pool of moms may not all be people who would term themselves stay-at-home moms. So maybe that's not even the right question to lead with. The question literally is, hey, this is the time that I'm available. My office hours, uh, our friendship office hours are X, Y, and Z. And then you kind of start sussing out the rest. Yeah, I love this. Um, (laughs) <laughs> this office hours idea. I feel like I should get a little card made. Didn't like, they used to have like calling cards? Is, like I feel like yes, that is I feel like moms need them. You know, um, I mean, I put in all that stuff in my phone. I don't know if any like when I meet someone, the minute I leave with their with their number, which I want to talk about getting a phone number, but I put all of that in my phone. Like I'm like, this is whose mom they are. This is like I met them at the park during this time. I <laughs> learned this information about them. Yeah, because I find that really helpful. I also feel like this this woman asking like go out in the middle of the day and if the person is out in the middle of the day they're probably regularly available right yeah (laughs) yes like if Tuesdays at 10 are good for you go to the park Tuesday at 10 and see yes and then and then does it matter if the mom who's there at 
Tuesday at 10 if she happens to only have Tuesday at 10 off? No, because you no. know that day she's available. So it doesn't really matter what she's doing the rest of the week um, if you just really want to make that connection. Do you guys have any tricks for getting getting phone numbers? Because I feel like phone numbers are, this sounds like a dating game show. Um, but I feel, it is kind of like dating. Like you have to get the phone. If you get the phone number, and in my opinion, you text in that first week's time, you're in, you've converted. I'm sort of a master at this, but I have a feeling in a very different way than Sarah is. So Sarah, I'm going to share the way I do this first. Okay. Pretty much any conversation with me that lasts more than 10 or 15 minutes, I'm always coming up with something I can text the other person. Like, oh my gosh, I just read this article. Here, give me your phone number. I'm just going to text it to you really quick. Or take a picture of their kid in mind playing. That's is my, that your trick, Elizabeth? Okay. Picture. I'm going to text this Can to I you. send you this yeah. picture? And I, it, I'm the same way. I did not come up with it. I'm not tricking <laughs> you into getting your phone number. Gotcha. This sounds <laughs> very realized, sinister. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. like, why do you always have people's phone numbers? I'm yeah. like, oh, because I'm always texting them pictures. Yeah. And then I will often text them again, like that day, so I don't forget because I'm terrible about remembering to put people's names in my phone. <laughs> and then it falls off and I have no idea who they are. So then it's like, ha, 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 wasn't this funny? And then you send a couple funny little texts back and forth. And now you've created... <laughs> A slight rapport. Yeah. Even if it yeah. there doesn't mean anything and you don't have plans, there's a reason to get back in touch. This is community building as much as it is friendship acquisition. So I will often ask in a like first meeting, um, and this fall fall is kind of a nice time to do it because people really are yeah. running into each other. And then um, Elizabeth, I do what you do, which is I immediately text them my first and last name and my kid's name and the spelling because that way, like like to your point, Megan, it's easy to be like, well, we had a nice conversation. I kind of remember your face, but like now I've got to remember your name again, or your name's not in my phone. And is that the same person? So, and that often prompts them to do the same. And so like, yep, I'm Sarah. Like they even have like, you know, my last name if they need to, or whatever, my kid's name. So it's more about just like grabbing it, getting it in the phone and then building that network. Cause I've had to build mine kind of from scratch. Since both of you have older kids, that does seem to be one of the places people really have trouble because they were like, oh, I was making friends because I was at school and I was sitting here and I walked my kid, you know, like in the carpool line, that kind of stuff. Now my kids are walking themselves, managing their own social schedules and like friends have gone to different schools. Uh, I feel lonely and don't know where to meet people. Mm -hmm. Like, where are you meeting the people if not if not the playgrounds (laughs) and the library? Yeah. Uh, Sarah, I'll go first on this one, I guess. Like, I think for me, when my kids were school age was when I personally made a big shift away from making friends through my kids. Like they stopped being the focal point of my social life for a lot of reasons. Uh, One of them being the thing that we mentioned earlier, which was like, I, I couldn't seem to find friends that I wanted to hang out with who my kids wanted to hang out with their kids. Like it just didn't seem to work that way. So I started getting involved in other things in the community that just had nothing to do with kids and school age is a great time to do it because they're busy with their own stuff. And at some point they're going to be old enough that they can just opt out. So you can say, Hey, I'm going to go to this thing. There's going to be other families there. Do you want to come? And they can say, nah, And so you just leave. So it's really worked out well. I did community theater for quite some time. I haven't for a while. But when my kids were of the age where they could have gone, like, to the potlucks and hung out backstage, and some of them wanted to, and others wanted nothing to do with it. And that's okay, because it wasn't for them. It was just for me. So, yeah. I don't know. Sarah, what do you think? Well, I'm struggling with this just in real life right now. So I can just say that out loud. I guess I almost see the question or the challenge as, like, two-pronged. One is... 
how do I build rapport with parents in my kids' social circles so that it doesn't feel awkward? Because Mm. when kids have their own phones and make their own plans, it's really, it's an alienating, it's a new feeling. I shouldn't even say it's weird because I'm sure it's eventually not weird. But to like have your kids spending time at someone's house and never having met the parents is very different from the Mm -hmm. younger kid days. So one is how do I achieve that at least friendly status. Um, But the other is where do I find my people? And that's to Megan's point, that is not in that group at all. So it's like both, I think both are hard and both are important. Um, And I'm not sure I have much advice except to commiserate. Well, Sarah, do you, have you noticed now that your kids are doing their own social planning via text or whatever? And mine have been doing this for a long time now. They're terrible at it. Um, Well, they're terrible at it to the standard that I would like them to hold. So the details are so vague. They kind of seem to expect that they'll just like their friends will just appear when they need them. It's really weird the way that the details they leave out. So I have a text thread. I have text threads going with several of my kids, friends, parents, moms, usually. Right. Where we just, I'm like, does anyone have any idea what's going on? Because what I'm hearing from Clara is that there's a sleepover tonight yet. I have no indication from any of you that that is the truth. And then we all just kind of go, Oh, they're terrible at it. And then that's like, like kind of making fun of their terrible planning skills is how we stay in touch. And sometimes that's kind of all we do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's it. But that's kind of all you, I mean, for that, that's all you need. Right. Right. I think this goes back to having the different friends. Like you need to be in touch with these people because when you need to be in touch, you're going to need to be in touch. Like if something happens, these are people you want on your team. And the way to do that is kind of this day to day, like, okay, we're all yeah. in this boat together and it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But they don't necessarily have to be the people that fill your No, bucket. that's exactly right. No. One thing I am trying to be a little better at is remembering that younger teenagers, especially, still need help planning uh, social things and uh, hosting something. If you feel brave enough to host for five Ooh. older kids or young teenagers for a sleepover or like a crazy, like, night of appropriate age appropriate fun I'm sure those other parents would be happy to be in touch with you they'd be thrilled that there's like a safe and fun activity again with that vulnerability piece leading with what do I want for my kid but also for my burgeoning network and sometimes you may want to be the host and you will have a different relationship with those parents after that event especially if it's like a bigger event like a sleepover or a party or something Well, you guys, this was such a joy. We're so thankful you guys could come on. I just, this is like the perfect for all the questions that we've gotten. I feel like this was um, empathetic, but also like boosting and lots of little tidbits. And um, both of you can expect messages from me trying to convert this into (laughs) into an internet (laughs) process. Awesome. awesome. I'm happy to give you my my digits, (laughs) Elizabeth. Office hours are open. And that's it for our show. We'll be back on Monday with a question and everyone's favorite recommendations. So be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. If you're looking for a fun parenting community, don't forget the Slate Facebook Parenting Group. It's a great way to ask questions and get recommendations of your own as well. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Chrissy Tywell Macanjula and Rosemary Belson. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening.